episode 583 with Don Slaughter, who, because I'm a moron, you, uh, so yes, for everyone listening, so yesterday, today's Thursday, September 30th, 2021, yesterday, I, uh, I woke up, couldn't go back to sleep, so I had only slept for like four hours, so that was like the beginning of the day, like, all right, just kind of tired, exhausted, whatever, did back-to-back podcasts. When you do back-to-back, it's always a bit draining mentally. You kind of, you're just in a fog. I had just finished that. I give my mom a call. I call my mom every night because I'm a good son. And giving a call after back-to-back, now I'm just really just trying to hold a conversation. I'm exhausted, hadn't eaten yet, and uh, had just cracked a beer. So I'm feeling nice, warm, and fuzzy. And uh, I get an email from Don, and I just glanced at it because I email, I go through hundreds of emails a week trying to get guests on, trying to, you know, re- reschedule. And it's also the norm that at least at least two times a week someone cancels or has to reschedule. There's always weird stuff. I've had on guys who, and I'll let you talk, don't worry. I've had on guys who, you know, they'll accept and then, like, you know, they'll come back three days later. Like, I've had guys at, like, the the big national laboratories like Lawrence Livermore, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. They're like, yeah, I'd love to. And then they come back two days later and they're like, I absolutely cannot do this with my security clearance. So I lay all of that down, brain fog, have a beer, exhausted, open up the email. And I just see like a, a short, a short message from you. And it's like, Tom, uh, I expect your cancellation no hard feelings, and then attached it says confidential. So my first thoughts are like, oh, it's some NDA thing. Like, again, it's the norm for me. Pick it up, glance at it, I see some stuff, and I'm like, all right. And then I kind of look, open it up again a minute later, and, you know, like, no hard feelings, and I started to think, I was like, oh, does he just, maybe he just doesn't want to do the podcast, which, again, is something that happens where people watch some of my episodes and they go, fuck this guy, I don't want to be on a show. But you and I had talked before. We've talked on the phone several times. And, you know, I've seen you with Hatfield. And I was like, I thought, I thought Don and I were, you know, I thought we were buddies. And I was like, so then I started to get a little anxious in my own head, which I do all the time since birth. And I was like, is it something I did? And you, unbeknownst to me, were out with clients. So I'm not getting any responses from you. So now I'm sending you, like, double question marks. I'm like, hey, are we cool? Are we good? And I go to bed really late every night, like three in the morning, except last night I was exhausted. So I went to bed early. So I woke up and then, so you saw this and you're like, oh shit, this kid's retarded. And so you were trying to call me, but I was asleep. So there's this whole clusterfuck going on and it turns out that I'm just a moron. And, uh, with that, how about you introduce yourself, man? (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great story. I was sitting, I was sitting there at dinner going, what? What? You know, because my, my, my team looked at it and, you know, again, I, I didn't send over a traditional CV. Why? Okay, well, yeah, we've talked to you, we've talked before. You, you know who I am. Uh, that's number one. Number two, you, you deal with such subject matter, heavy subject matter, all the time. I thought, well, this will provoke you to actually read something that might be just a little different, right? And I was a bit sarcastic, so I could see how, and, and, and in all fairness to you, what was the name of the file? Confidential. Confidential. Please read right? attached. So, no hard feelings, Tom. <laughs> and I, very short email. Not, I was like, oh, shit. I'm sitting here with clients, and they said, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, I think I just caused somebody suicide. You know, I think the guy doesn't think you li- I like him, you know. I mean, I got to call his mother. Where's his mother's number? I don't know. I'm looking through my phone. 
Is it mom's number? Is it Tommy's number? Who do I call? No. So anyway, comedy of errors. Yes. And so. So anyway, it was it was it was funny. It was it was funny. And for the record, I didn't call you a retard. You no. called yourself a retard. Oh yeah, no, that's fine. No, I am a retard. No one don't ever. Which for, which for people who are like really politically correct, that means remedial in one's thinking. Well, okay, well, it does. That's the technical definition of that. Well, so you know, in, in college, organic chemistry was the weed out course that put it about halfway through your biology degree. So if you yes. were too stupid to make it through organic chemistry, or it's not hard if you just didn't put in the work, they're kind of doing you a favor in that, hey, you're not going to get into medical school. So how about we well, still have two years left? You can change course. What I do with uh, saying retard is anyone that is brain dead and can't entertain a word or who, you know, they never learned the whole sticks and stones can break my bones thing. And they're now an adult who get offended at words, sounds of just, you know, airwaves bouncing off their eardrums. I say retard and other politically incorrect things because it sort of weeds them out. And then the only people still listening are adults with a brain who can entertain things that maybe they don't agree with. So... I use it as a as a sort of a it's an act of mercy to the well to the actual retards listening to this who can't you know understand that yes we're adults and we use language that maybe isn't always suitable for everyone get over it but uh yeah no, totally I, I think you described it perfectly midway through because I was biochemistry undergraduate there's a long story there but yeah midway through you know you have to take ochem. And I had a college roommate who was an MD-PhD student. And I, I had a deal. I taught him how to surf, and he helped me with OCHEM. Uh, but it was really obvious that, that he got the better end of that deal. Um, he was a, an amazing and went on to be a brilliant doctor, uh, but a terrible teacher, or I just couldn't absorb it. So that's why, uh, that's why you know, again, I abandoned uh, all things medical school and, and ended up in entertainment and media. So that's where I am. Well, hey, I'm a, I'm a special kind of stupid because I aced organic chemistry. I aced the MCAT. I got into medical school and then decided not to go. And in the long run, I'm now in a sort of entertainment media. So uh, I'm dumber than you, man, because I went through with the whole thing and still didn't go. So, uh, yeah, but so the first time we talked, it was with uh, Dr. Stephen Hatfield. And, you know, he was like, this is, you know, this is my guy, Don. I was like, Don, he goes, he, he used to work at Penthouse. And I thought he was fucking with me. And you're like, I did. And so I was psyched to have on Dr. Hatfield. But I was like, you know, I kind of like looked past him because you were in like the background setting up a microphone i was like you do my podcast and you were like sure man i was like not trying to steal like you know not trying to steal dr hatfield's thunder i was like doctors are cool i was like this guy worked for penthouse and save the world or talk about skin right hey man save the world it's a good it's close it's very close well ultimately none of it actually matters like ultimately we all just die not to go really dark immediately Ultimately, we all die, so what does any of it matter? And that's not to take away from physicians. They're doing God's work. And then, you know, guys like you and I, we're on the fringes. But how did you how did you get into Penthouse? Because as you described it, it was it was not the plan. You just you just kind of ended up there. Well, I, I think that's that's a great way to describe it. I just kind of ended up there. I, you know, I was I was getting ready to relocate uh, from California to Florida, and uh, had, a, had a huge garage sale. And at that, I said, I am never going to wear a suit again. Ne- I'm going to Florida. I'm going to be in shorts and you know flip flops and all that. Right. So sold everything, moved all the way across country, landed maybe about week ten days into it, and I get a call from 
And when you say fringe character, I'm going to say fringe character in 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 the entertainment sense, right? Movie movie producer, okay, who I had run into a, a number of times, pitch projects, and not something I could actually finance or do anything with. But he said, "Hey, you know, I've got this woman I'd like you to speak to. She needs financing. She wants to take over this company." And anything that comes out of this guy's mouth is like, ah. Uh, Whatever. And I think I just was having a slow day, really nothing to entertain me. So I said, all right, fine. I'll go ahead and take the meeting. So he gets me on the phone with this woman. And uh, she's uh, very articulate, uh, but doesn't know anything at all about business, how to finance anything. And and she was working in middle management at Penthouse. And she wanted to do a management buyout. And I said, first thing I said was, I, I'm sorry, I'm really not your guy. And besides, porn is free. What, what's the point? You know, what, what is the point, right? And uh, she said, okay, thank you very much. And that was that. She was very abrupt, hung up the phone. Six months goes by. Out of the blue, I get this number, a uh, uh, California number pops up on my phone. And it's this woman again. And she said, you know what? She introduced herself and I had to remember who she was. She said, of all the people that I've talked to about financing the company, you're the only one that said no. And I said, well, what happened to the rest of them? She said, they took all my money. I went, oh, okay, great. So now you're coming to me with a deal that can't be closed and you have absolutely no money. Oh, well, that sounds great. And, and okay. you have a terrible judgment of people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that clearly was evident, you know, as time went on, as, as my staff at, at Penance would tell you. Uh, and not, not just that, just abjectly incompetent about some things. Um, but again, something was driving me in that direction. And I said, go ahead and send me the file. So that, that's how I started it. You know, so I went silly introduction, then a total hard pass, kind of reconsidered it. And then really I descended into madness. <laughs> descended in. Yeah, because, you know, you said. No, complete descent. Like, I mean, I mean, nosedive into the ground in the madness. I mean, I mean, hey, dude, I, you know, I graduated college December 2013, clean cut, just got into medical school, had the girlfriend, had like eight abs. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm <laughs> at the top of the world. Uh, a couple months after I graduated, I lost a, a sibling to suicide. And then I started doing oh. a ton of drugs. I gained a ton of weight. And then two years of that, I mean, talk about nosedive. I mean, I like Japanese suicide, like kamikaze bomber, nosedive, like Stuka, like German Stuka dive bomber nosedive moved home and started this podcast after like five years of that shit no so i completely like when you know when you're like nosedive oh no i get it you know some people say it loosely they're like hey you know i went crazy i'm like no like look at me i actually i actually went insane no no i i mean i had the even to undertake this i i i I had the throttle all the way down and pointed to the ground right yeah and and you know it's like a slow motion train wreck you say okay Am I really doing this? Now, now let me paint the picture, okay? I'm, I, at the time, I was happily married, okay? I have four children. Two are grown and out of the house. The other two are in Catholic school in a small town that I live in. I went to, I went to private Catholic school. Yeah, I, I did too, and that's why I'm still in therapy. But, <laughs> so, you know, um, but... Doing an episode so, about, doing an episode about penthouse. Go <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I told you this was going to be irreverent. No, it's There's not. nothing reverent about it. Good, right? good. So 
so I got the file and, and uh, you know, my wife at the time was retired senior risk management from a, from a big financial firm. So, uh, you know, intelligent and, and, you know, articulate and critical in her own right, you know. And uh, she said, you know, what are you working on? It's ah, just, you know, maybe a possible new deal. And she goes, oh, that's nice. About six weeks into it, okay, I had, uh, I'd take my kids to school, come back. Now, the garage, I had taken everything off the walls and pushed everything in the middle. Because this company had 17 individual companies, some of them international. And I was trying to figure out if there were any assets at all that could be leveraged to buy the thing. Right. Not not for me, not to be part of it, but just from a, you know, from a transactional standpoint. So I started pinning these, uh, printing it out old school, pinning these things on the wall and then drawing lines between. Oh, like like an actual crazy person. Then I (laughs) take a break, go get my kids from Catholic school, come back. okay, eat dinner with the family and go back out in the garage. So this goes on for a month or so from that point. And my wife walks out, maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I go get the, get the kids about 3, 3.30, and said, you know, I would feel better if I walked out here and you were drunk off your ass. But you're stone cold sober. What are you working on? So now I handed her the file that I put together. And she looks at it. I went and picked up the kids, and I came back. And she said, you know, that just might work. And I said, all right. Because they had assets that, that people just didn't know about. You know, a lot of things I can't get into and discuss. But uh, traditional, you know, traditional, not hard assets like buildings and all that, but but digital assets that were that were big. You know, so from that point, it took me almost a year, okay, to get the first commitments to buy to to buy the company, right? Which which those commitments uh, ultimately led to other commit other better commitments and term sheets that eventually closed the deal. But it was. It was really that descent into madness, you know, that, that got me to the other side and just just wanting to find a way. It, it was just a deal. It wasn't about what was going on and what the subject matter is or was. It was just about I had to find a way to get this thing done. I, I was obsessed with it, and I did. Mm-hmm. Now, we ultimately closed with another facility that we set up, that was set up, you know, but... I, I went for due diligence, right? So I, I go for the first time. They have offices in New York, which I didn't go there. They have offices in um, up in Northern California uh, because it's part of a bigger company. It was a part of a dating company, but at the time, believe it or not, penthouse. It was, was kind of a feeder. It was yeah, Pen, penthouse was it was a feeder site for for one of the very first dating dating uh, companies in the in, in the world. So, yeah. but they just let it d- decline. I mean, I think at one point. It was losing like seventeen million dollars a year. Jesus Christ! It's so. So, wait, what year was this? What year was all this going on? I moved. I moved to Florida in twenty fourteen. This this began in twenty late twenty fourteen, early twenty fifteen. Okay, so this isn't even like you know back when like you know dirty mags were like they kind of they had the gatekeeping access to nude women. This is so like porn is like the access to porn is has matured to this point. This isn't some like 1999 downloading a JPEG. This is even you can stream 4K, you know, horrific shit that's illegal in five countries onto your phone. So right, right, and and then in that in that crowded space, you say, okay, what what is you know what is what what, is this this worth anymore, right? And and I mean, truth be told, I mean, I was I was a fan of the brand, you know, when I was when I was younger. I mean, I I only told I only stole two things in my life. 
One was an ice cream that my friend, I had money in my pocket. My friend Jeff ran out the door after, after school. I went to Catholic school also. And I went out after him. I felt so bad. I went back and I paid for them both. And the other one was a penthouse magazine that I never felt bad for. Fuck yeah. For doing that ever. I, the only two things I ever sold. I got, I got caught drinking when I was 17. Me and my friend were like just stupid. And, uh, Long story short, we ended up, like, the cops came, and, like, my parents had to come pick me up, and I had to go to court on my 18th birthday. Long story short is uh, I had to do, like, 40 hours of community service. I'm, like, my senior year of high school. My Saturday as I was doing community service at this, like, fire station because they were, like, the mm-hmm. coolest guys. They were just, like, go wash the – they didn't give a shit. They were just, like, go wash, the, go wash the truck. It was very easy. But I remember mm-hmm. whenever they'd go out on, like, a run – like an asshole, of course, you know, I immediately drop them off and be like, you know, just kind of wait till they came back and then start doing shit again. And uh, I remember I was like walking through like the locker rooms and like the bunk beds and stuff. And uh, that was the first time I because I mean, I grew up with like online pornography. But that was the first time I ever saw penthouse mags. It was just all oh, throughout. Yeah. yeah. All throughout the fire station, just every bathroom, kitchen, locker, <laughs> garage, just everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, huh, penthouse. It, yeah, it, it's a pretty remarkable story when you go back to Bob Guccione and how he started it, and you know the the found the the mistake that actually founded it, the feud between he and and Hugh Hefner. Yeah, yeah. I mean Larry Flint, how it all worked. It. I mean it's it's a great great story. It's a it's a, his story is a rags to riches to rags story because at one point he was a, the wealthiest man like almost on the planet. Yeah, it's and then. Uh, his descent into madness was a little different, and and uh, so I mean, the way later, you know, we uh, we end up in this uh, situation where we find a way to you know for management to buy this out, right? Going for due diligence, and during during the due diligence was prior to closing, you know, right right prior to closing, they take me aside and they said, "Look, we need an adult in the room." I said, "What? We need an adult in the room, or we're not going to close the deal." And I said, "Well, what does that mean to me?" You know, because I'm, I'm just in it. I'm going to make a paycheck. I've worked for over a year on this deal, and I'm going to make take my exit and go back to Florida with my family and get some therapy and try and get over what I've just gone through. And they said at, no. At first, man, if I'm Mio, at first instance, my first thought is like, is this like an, my spidey sense is going up? That sounds like an FBI sting. I'm working at penthouse, and they're like, we need adults, and it's like well, you should only be working with adults. <laughs> what the fuck is this but yeah Yeah, sorry yeah 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 Yeah, it's like you there should that should not be a statement uttered here yeah there's actually a a federal statute i think it's 2259 or something that says that you have to yeah yeah, there should should be no one in this building (laughs) under that's not an adult but yeah yeah we need whatever do you mean yeah well you're not i'm sorry we're not closing the deal and nobody gets paid so you know they you know first it was okay you know three months and then they get, they put a three-year contract in front of me, and then they put a five-year contract in front of me, you know? And, I, you know, at the, at the time, you know, I thought it was kind of patently, it would be patently irresponsible for me not to take the, the opportunity because then I would have put a whole year of my life into something that didn't go anywhere, yeah. you know? And and that's that's really bad for my family. Well, yeah, you you, you're the you're the breadwinner. You got to, your work has to yeah. yield, your work has to yield reward. Something. Yeah. Right, right. Plus, I, you know, I needed to have something desperately to show for my insanity, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Much. <laughs> no, I feel you. It's, I mean, it's like this podcast. Well, one, like it has to pay the bills, but two, like 
man, I cannot be that guy sitting in like a letter jacket at a bar going, you know, I got into medical school and they fucked me on YouTube. I was supposed to be something. No, it's, there's like one, I need money, but two, it's like, this has to work for my own sanity. I have to, yeah. I, I can't know that I, it's one thing if I had nothing, I can't, I can't knowingly have turned down the option to get an MD already accepted, not applying accepted mm. 15,000 mm-hmm. students applied to the medical school I got into a hundred got in. I was one of those. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. no, I feel, I feel you. It's yeah. You gotta, you gotta get something from it, but it's also like, this is on a deeper spiritual, like I'll snap if this doesn't work. Yeah. 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 And it, it was, it was kind of like that. I discussed it with my wife and she was very supportive and she said, yeah, I mean, go ahead and do it. Yeah. But that meant me, that meant that now, I was riding the school bus from Florida to LA every week, three o'clock in the morning, they would pick up, I'd be picked up by a car service. Uh, I'd go to Orlando airport and be at my desk in LA by 10 30 in the morning, had meetings until midnight Pacific time, which put me about 22, 23 hours into it at that point. And that was, that was Monday leave on Friday, land on Saturday morning, be dad and husband, Saturday, Sunday, get back up and do it again on Monday. I did that for that routine for six months, six months. And aside, and then using Los Angeles as a jumping off point to go to other meetings and stuff. And then I paired it back a bit and then I started traveling more on the East coast. So my schedule got a little bit better, but that was in itself insane. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, so it was, it was, it was, that part of it was very difficult. But once, I mean, once I, I, you know, I landed in the office the first day, you know, I, I, we closed on a, on a, uh, it was like, I don't know, 12.01 AM. And, uh, I was, I booked my reservation like five minutes later. Yeah. I mean, that, that cost me, that flight cost me four grand or something to fly overnight with, with like six hours notice. Yeah. And, uh, I landed on a Saturday and went and picked my office out, which was the storage room. That's what I picked out. It was a, the biggest office really in the, in the building. It was a 30 by 30 storage room that had all the old slides in it. And I carved down a little section in the corner and that's where my desk was. And that's how, I, that's where I started. And the next that two days later, I got to meet the, I got to meet the, the core of the team, you know, uh, like, like a crazy person. I'm in a 15 by 14 foot bedroom and I have moving <laughs> blankets nailed to the ceiling and I've cordoned off about one third of it. And then I've hung up these, you know, these soundproofing tiles all around me and they're like safety pinned into the moving blankets. I mean, this room looks so suspicious. It's, it's, you walk in and just, there's just moving blankets on the, it's a perfect soundproof chamber. And I've always, you're talking to a guy that the neighbors thought I was Ted Kaczynski when I was doing this deal in my garage. Well, listen, so because I'm in this tiny little, tiny little apartment, under 800 square feet. I love it. I'm grateful for it. It's fantastic. A lot of people have it a lot worse than me. Uh, they, they're always coming in and doing like, you know, maintenance or whatever. And it's because in its apartment, you know, it's kind of like communism. You don't get a say in it. They're like, we're coming at 8 a.m. to fix this. And you're just like, I hope I'm dressed. Like, fuck it. All right. <laughs> well, they, they came in the other morning to do something with the dryer. I don't know what. But uh, they came. they came in and you can't even go out the main door of this room because there's, you know, moving blankets hanging and it will fall down. So I can only come in and out of my room through the bathroom. I have the doors open and I'm like just waking up and there are these two guys and they're whatever company shirts are walking in. They're like, you know, 20, 21. And I think they think I'm not in there because all the lights are off, but I'm just waking up and I see them and I just hear 
what the fuck? Because you can, if you, the doors are open, you see these weird jagged soundproof tiles. There's no light coming in because of all the fucking moving blankets. Mm. And I hear, hear one of them go, what the fuck? And the, I hear the other go, dude, I think a serial killer works here or lives here. And of course I wake up and I'm, and you know, not to allay their fears. I'm like, Hey, and, <laughs> and I'm like, it's a podcast studio. And they're like, all right, man. And I'm just like, motherfucker. Like I, I'm like, I've always had this image in my head that they, people think I'm crazy, but now, now, I'm, now I know. So like you neighbors thinking you're Ted Kaczynski, there's wires, soundproofing, no lighting. And it looks like, yeah, it looks like I've got a soundproof chamber so I can, you know, like dismember my victims without upsetting the neighbors. So, uh, but you had no plastic. Um, what you do know, you mean? You always need plastic, plastic drop cloths. I mean, oh, yeah. Be a syrup, well, right? I mean, it looks enough like some American psycho shit. Like the moving blankets could be like to stop the blood spatter. But, uh, there you go. Yeah, there's nothing good going on in here. And it's, if you come <laughs> into this, if you walk in, it actually, you go, oh, it's a studio with an American flag, but they don't know that. I keep it at like 50 degrees in here. The lights are off. All they see is sound panels. Yeah, they're probably thinking in the freezer, there's like a hooker's head. But, uh, <laughs> again, I know I keep interrupting you, but it's more so I just want to, uh, commiserate in that I truly do know what it feels like to be like, man, everyone thinks I'm insane. Yeah, it, it didn't get much better from that after the closing. I mean, like, I had a great team. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the, the editor, Rafi Aronowitz, was freaking hilarious. Um, you know, came out of some, some uh, you know, iconic brands. Um, uh, you know, the creative director, Angela Gerasimo, was just amazing. Tom Fox, CTO, Don Guineri. Okay, now, Don Guineri was the only one that had a tie directly to Guccione, to the original company, Okay. And he was brought in by, uh, you know, by the, the, the woman who brought me in to run digital operations. And he, at one point, was dating uh, 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 Guccione's daughter, right? And he was a character. I learned so much from that guy, but we just butted heads all the time. And then uh, Relanie Bellows, who was the corporate counsel, the sister I never wanted, and I was the brother that she never wanted. We went on to become great friends. But, um, you know, corporate counsel always kind of butts heads with... Uh, uh, with uh, kind of everybody in that situation because it's big liability. But if it wasn't for that core team, okay, the company wouldn't have turned around, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they, they really deserve all the credit. But they, they actually brought sanity to everything that was going on, you know. But well, you know, once you get, get, you know, get down to the business of it, it's just like running in the other business. I mean, you have to have knowledge of your product, okay, which is embarrassing, okay, because of the time, because of what it was, right? Uh, knowledge of you know competition's product and then your marketplace, who your customer is. Well, that was confusing because that was all in flux too, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, with uh, you know, with uh, LGBTQ rights and everything moving forward, you know, moving and and you know, uh, you know, women's empowerment and all that. How does all this fit into it, right? And we were able to wade the waters and create, uh, you know, create some some solid foundation, kind of rolling back to the old days. When uh, uh, when it was more than just you know uh, depicting sex, for example, mm-hmm. okay, right? I mean, I called Alan Dershowitz. Okay, now why would I call Alan Dershowitz? Well, Alan Dershowitz represented the company in an obscenity charge way back in the day, is, and I called Alan. I didn't the, think I'd that, ever. Do. Sorry, is that the was that, was that the was that the famous? I've been terrible about interrupting you this podcast i'm sorry normally i'm not this no that's okay i'm getting i I talk too much anyway no no you don't i just get excited i'm i I go back and i listen to my episodes and i'm like this host is fucking terrible and then i'm like i'm like that's me it's it's but 
Just he's the is that the famous case where it's I you know I couldn't tell you what porn is, but I know it when I see it. Is it that case? Yeah, well, he did. He well, no, you. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that was part of that case. Larry Flint had a, had a kid in People versus Larry Flint. That was a big one. But this was this had to do with Bob Guccione and 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 uh, uh, I, I you know now the the, the terms of the uh, the actual uh, case itself escapes me. But but Dershowitz represented Bob. Okay, and Dershowitz was, you know, Dershowitz is, you know, big, you know, civil rights and free speech and all that, right? So, so I reached out to him at Harvard, and uh, and I, he called me back. I mean, you know, who calls? You know, I'm nobody. Alan Dershowitz calls me back, and you know, Mr. Dershowitz, you know, I'd like to, I'd like you to write for the magazine. He goes, well, what do you want me to write? I said, anything you want to write. How many words? I don't know, nothing over 2,500. He said, well, you mean I can write whatever I want to write? Nothing over 2,500 words, you know, I mean, oh, you know, 2,500 words or so. And how often do you want me to do this? I said, every month. He said, done, I'll write for you, done. I said, okay, great. And he did. So now we had it, we had something. The first thing he wrote about was safe spaces on college campuses. It was brilliant, you know? Now here's a guy that was, that was, and I don't believe in political spectrums, by the way. I just think it's all garbage. But here's a guy that, you know, had had more, let's say, left-leaning viewpoints. Mm-hmm who's now become more of a centrist in his thinking mm-hmm. because of how crazy everything's gone off scale, you know? And just, a, just an, amaz- an, an amazing person and, and did a great job for us. So we brought back in some humor. We brought back in commentary, you know, and all that. And, uh, you know, we gained traction. So we really changed the way that we were looking at things. And it, it, it turned the brand around. And we looked at an extent. We, we expanded the licensing. And on the licensing aspect, it was it was huge. And it was able that we were able to turn the company around in you know about about 16 14 16 months so it was uh it was interesting the the i i met more quality people of character not characters but quality people of character in the adult business than i ever did on wall street oh yeah and that's scary well because one of them one of them's dealing with prostitutes and the others are prostitutes yeah. 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 No. No. I mean, it that makes sense. Why not? Why not? You probably meet the most. You know, it's some of the most people with the most fucked up senses of humor were like the doctors I shadowed in college, <laughs> like the surgeons. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. But no. Uh, real, real quick, we said about uh. You know, there's a traditionally leftist guy coming more towards centrist. I'm with you. It's I. I don't see really any of us moving along the spectrum. I think the definitions of it is, and this is kind of a not really worth hammering on because it's so abstract. But I haven't changed much in my views in 12 years, but the spectrum mm. changes, right? If I think everyone yeah. should be if I think everyone should be able to say whatever they want and I'm in middle school, that includes defending Marilyn Manson. If I say it in 2021, that makes me a misogynistic Nazi. Right? Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, no, absolutely. And and you know, you, you bring up a great point. Don't you think that these labels are a problem, okay? I mean, labels are the chains that other people place on us. You want to talk about real slavery, okay? Well, it's the labels. Well, it's like it's like borders, right? I mean, truly, it's it's like looking at a map, right? You see how maps mm. are redrawn over the centuries and millennia, the Assyrians and the you know the Han and the whatever and the Alexander the Great and the it's all the same shit. Like the mountains aren't moving, the rivers are still there, right? It's just we're dividing. No, the borders are on casters. That's what they I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what these spectrums are. You're now a Nazi. I'm like I. I'm the same person I was 12 years ago. I think everyone should be able to say whatever they want and put whatever they want in their body. 12 years ago, that made me a radical leftist. 
now if I don't think I should take an experimental corporate vaccine that makes me a uh, that makes me a Nazi. It's uh you know right yeah. If you had brought right. the peace, love, and uh, acid hippies from Woodstock to current to the present day, and introduced them to current liberals. Man, they, they they would they would wipe they would write them off just as bad as the quote unquote baby killers from Vietnam. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, sorry, yeah. keep interrupting. And, and, and even no 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 you're you're right you're spot on and even that even that term liberal. <laughs> I mean, our founding fathers were liberal. Yeah, but it meant something different back then. That's what that's what I mean. It's all the the labels mean shit. It's what 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 do you what do you actually stand for? I, I think that we should all be able to do. You know, I went to private Catholic school. I, you know, I, I think if you're gay, you can get married. I don't give a shit. I think if you want to shoot heroin, knock your socks off. I think if you want to do X, Y, and if you want to, you know, change genders or if you want to be an atheist or if you want to, you know, be a swinger, do whatever you want, man. Are you paying your taxes so I'm not the only one footing the bill? Yes. Are you right. damaging right. anyone's property or physically harming anyone? No. Are you Are you harming children? No. Well, then we're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean the nanny the nanny state, you know, issue is just it's just beyond, you know, description. It's it's absurd. Well, it's people that want a strong it's people that Tim Dillon said it best. Tim Dillon the the fat gay comedian who I think's the funniest human being on the planet. Mm-hmm. He he had a he had a great statement and I I wrote it down on my phone. He said uh <clears throat> He said only being a, a Democrat or Republican, what that really is, is when you go, you know, well, I'm a conservative, so these are what the conservative thinks, or I'm a liberal, and these are what the liberal thinks. What you're really doing is shirking the responsibility and the hard work of independent thought. Going, mm-hmm. you know, you look at this podcast and let's say you are, a, you know, you are a far left liberal. You don't need to watch it and you don't need to address any of my points because I'm a white guy with blue eyes sitting in front of an American flag with a cross on his neck, right? I'm a Nazi. I'm a Trump supporting Nazi. It's easy. You don't need. And that that goes to me, too. You know, oh, it's a far leftist. I don't need to hear out their thoughts. Well, no, it's what that's really doing is, you know, I find myself doing it all the time. I didn't vote for Biden, but I still watch all of his speeches because I'm like, how much of this is, oh, he's a fucking Democrat. And I'm like, let's. Let's actually, you know, one great thing is like read a transcript of of a, a speech instead, so you don't hear Biden's voice. If you want, you can read it in Trump's voice or Obama's voice. How much of it do you really disagree with? How much of it is, oh fuck Biden? How much of it's like, well, hold on, that makes sense, you know? And it's, it's, it is. It's the shirking of the responsibility of independent thought. How much of it is. Well, I, well, that's not the way I vote. Well, that's a, you know, if a, if a Democrat came out today and said, hey, vaccine mandates, no good. I would be like, well, fuck yeah. And if a Republican came out right now and said, we need to go back into Iraq, I'd say, fuck you. Right. But mm-hmm. it's very easy. and I'm guilty of it more than anyone. So you just fall into the line. Well, we all think those are bad because that's X or, you know, all those Republicans are Y. You're removing independent thought. I mean. Look at you, you're a guy. Well, and, and you're 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 removing yourself from the conversation and the dream that is this country. Yeah. In my opinion, right, that we can participate in in active discourse, you know, and rational discourse, and 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 be civil with each other doing it. I mean, it's it's just it's pathetic what we what we've you know kind of you know sunk to, and uh, whether whether or not it doesn't matter to me, I'm I'm agnostic when it comes to that. You know, I mean. 
because there, there's some great ideas on all sides. And then there's some horrible ideas on all sides. But why do there have to be sides at all in that regard? Is it, isn't it about what's best for the, the citizenry, right? And, or is it just best about, uh, or is it just about what's best for them to stay in power? What? And, and, and to propagate this, this thinking, you know, and, and lull us into accepting labels and very easily casting it off. I mean, politicians are great about saying things that if you, if you remove them from the context, okay, it sounds great. But now when you put it in context, they're idiots, you know? So, so it's, it, you have to look at, yeah, I, I think you have to look at the, the entire picture, right? You can't, you can't, if you read a speech from, uh, from Abraham Lincoln and without any context, okay, you, you can't decide if it's brilliant or not brilliant. You know, I mean, uh, a great order. I mean, Obama was a fantastic order. Yeah. Right. One of probably the, one of the best we've ever had. Yeah. Okay. But was he effectual as a leader? I mean, that's something history will decide, you know? So, you know, I think, I think it's all about, like you said, context 12 years ago versus now, are we going to go back, you know, and, 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 and dig up, you know, and, and try corpses? Is that what we're going that we're doing? I mean, mean, knock on wood, I guarantee you that's coming. But like, you know, one thing I always point to is like, it wasn't until Obama. It wasn't until, and I always say this to my conservative friends and myself, I am conservative. It wasn't until the Obama administration, he made it so that when the parents of slain servicemen and women, when their bodies were returned, they all come through Dover Air Force Base. That's where all the, all the, for whatever reason, that's where all the bodies come through. I think, like, when the actual soldiers return, I think it's, like, exclusively through, like, Hartsfield-Jackson in Atlanta for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, just like if you're injured somewhere over Europe, you always go to Ramstein, if I'm correct. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, the coffins always come through Dover. Obama made it so that the government foot the bill. They bought your plane ticket and they paid for your hotel. Before that, you mm-hmm. had to foot the bill to go pick up the corpse of your child. That's an objectively That's good thing. It's an objectively yeah. good thing. Has nothing to do with Obama's this. It wasn't until Trump that animal uh, animal abuse was made a felony. It's an objectively mm-hmm. good thing, and mm-hmm. I'm sure if I look, there are things that Biden's doing right now that I can't go. Oh, he's Biden. He's probably doing good shit. Like it's we're getting way off into the weeds now. We've strayed from penthouse. I need you to hold down the air because I gotta go take a piss. So. uh... Don, the mic is yours. The podcast is yours. Welcome to the well, Don Slaughter yeah, Show. This, this, this is where we're going to edit everything, you know. No, so, no. yeah, I, do, do I just sing a uh, do I just sing a song here or whatever? <laughs> Looking at my notes here, I don't really have much else to say. I'm waiting for Tommy to come back. Uh, this is where I should have shown some images and how I thought he was going to take a break. I don't hear you monologuing. 
What's that? I don't hear you monologuing. No, I'm not. You know what? There's plenty of time to do that later. You can you can edit, edit that part out. No? no, I'm gonna leave that in there. I'm gonna make you look bad. I, uh, no, that's okay. I throw nah, that responsibility onto guests all the time. I'm just like, hey, monologue, move yeah. to the bathroom. And they're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Just do whatever you want. It's how I'm probably no. going to eventually get removed from the internet is I'm going to go to well, the this bathroom. Is, yeah, this is this is Tommy's show. This isn't my show. So no, I'm gonna I, do it all, I do it all. But the time. remember, let's go back to your preamble, right? Okay, that you can edit anything out. Okay, here you go. Oh. Edit out that silence. <sighs> Damn it. Right. So there you all go. Right, I win. All right, all right, I win. All right. Otherwise, I would have, I, you know, I could have read from Hamilton. My son gave me that book on Hamilton, you know. It, uh, it's, it's up on my shelf. I've, I've, I've had people essentially kind of just like filibuster. They're like, I'm just going to read the weather. I'm like, do it. I don't give a shit. It's just, uh, I don't know. I kind of like to see what people do when I throw it. To well, me. see, I got to get used to the format. You know, with, with Tapville, it wasn't like that format, right? You know, so. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> di- different guests. There's different flavors. I mean, it's all, it's like different. So I mean, I could go off on freedom of the press. I can go off on the role of press. I can go off on free speech. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm agnostic, but not without my opinions. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean the different guests, they're kind of like different music, right? I mean, like you're probably not yeah. listening to, to pink, to comfortably numb by Pink Floyd when you're going to the gym. Right. And at the same time, yeah. you're also not listening to rage against the machine when you're like smoking a blunt on a beach in Hawaii. So with different right. guests, it's some are very clean cut. They all have different flavors, and then yeah, I don't know. So there, there really what's, is. What's been the strange? Who's what's the strangest guest you ever had on the show? The strangest. I mean, you don't have to name names. No, just I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. Strangest. Um. Strange. I'm trying to think. Strange. Um. um strange. Man, I'm really trying to scratch my head for strange. I've never thought of that. I mean, I've had the smartest, the funniest, the coolest, the strange. Like uh, uncomfortable, uncomfortable unco- silences. Uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Well, si- uncomfortable silences, right? Where you, you don't find anything to talk about and you're like, okay. You know, it's like that recurring nightmare. Oh, you know? um... <laughs> Where you're interviewing a guest and they give you just like two words and nothing to go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's th- and don't say don't say Hatfield because he never stops talking. No, He'll Hatfield's talk forever. A, a saint. Um, there was one I did. He'll love. He'll love the fact that we gave him a shout out. Yeah. Though. Yeah. No, Hatfield's the man. <laughs> there's 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 two I did that I can't really describe because. It'll give it away. I'll, it. I'll text them to you afterwards. Okay, okay. But they were guys. They were guys that I have never felt. How do I word this? And let me preface this by saying, I am appreciative of everyone coming on here because they're giving me content, and I'm not paying anyone to come on here, so they're giving me free content. There were two individuals that I've spoken to on this podcast who. Uh, I don't even remember what episodes they were. I've never felt more like I was getting like sold snake oil. Like, like not, like not even realizing till partway through the podcast that I was like, is this guy trying to like sell me something? I've never had that happen. That were just not uncomfortable. There's never uncomfortable. There's one guy that it wasn't uncomfortable. I was just early. It was like the early, I think it was like pre 100 episodes. And I was just trying to grab anyone 
and I thought it would be interesting to get a guy who like did construction. So I like found a guy on Reddit that like operated like heavy machinery. And to his credit, he came on. I think he's a very shy guy. He didn't ask to come on. He didn't like respond to a request. I found him and I was like, hey, I was like, will you come on and do my podcast? I'm just trying to get any guest. And he was like, sure, sure, sure. I'll come on. And he, he wasn't a very talkative guy. And I don't think he was very comfortable, but it's not like he was a bad guy. I just don't think he knew what to do. And I think he was shy and it was probably a nightmare for him. I've never had uncomfortable silences because I can just talk as I'm doing right now. And so mm-hmm. what I ended up doing was essentially just talking about like my favorite book about Cold War bunkers. It's called Raven Rock by Garrett Graff. It came out in 2019. It's all about the the nuclear relocation arc that started under Eisenhower. But I ended up essentially just sitting here and like verbally raping him for like 30 minutes because he was just kind of nodding. And I'd be like, you know, mm-hmm. what's like the craziest thing to operate? And he'd be like, you know, tractors are big. And he'd kind of stare at me. And I'd be like, so Cheyenne Mountain can take a direct hit from a thermonuclear weapon. Because <laughs> I realized while it was happening, I was like, this guy doesn't want to talk. And mm-hmm. I felt bad. But like the podcast was already going. And I was like, I took it. I was like, I'm just going to exercise this. And uh, that one. So that that was, I think, uncomfortable for him. I'll send you the two other ones where I was just like, these guys are trying to sell me bullshit. Like these guys are these guys are Tony Robbins. Um, the most delicate one, mm. the most delicate one was I had on a kid that was that survived a school shooting, and oh wow, yeah, and uh, it's I can't remember the name of it, but I think it happened in twenty nineteen. It's the it was I think it's somewhat famous. You know, one student died, and it was because the student rushed the shooter, and I think the student's name was Kendrick Castillo. And he's this kid that, I mean, just a total, you know, a hero, just charged the shooter and I think was shot fatally. Um, but this kid I had on, Logan, was there. And he talked about, like, all the like the PTSD and shit from it. But wow. I was trying to, I was trying to sort of, like, make light of it in some ways to kind of, mm-hmm. like, loosen him up. But I also didn't want to ever, like, go too far. But uh, right. that kid had a great sense of humor because he came on a second time and we were kind of talking. And uh, he was like, yeah, man, my senior year, he's like, we just it hasn't really been a senior year because of COVID. And I was like, dude, that's got to be difficult. And he's like, well, you know, junior year was a little more difficult, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Jesus. So he started bringing out the dark humor. And I was like, I was like, yeah, it sucks because he's like, I didn't get to see him my friend's senior year. It just kind of fizzled out. And I was like, I guess that's true. And he goes, I mean, junior year kind of ended with a bang. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh, oh, no. yeah, so that one was delicate, but uncomfortable. I'll send you the uncomfortable ones where I was uncomfortable because I was, mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable. And this is going to sound cocky, I guess, because I am. I was uncomfortable because I knew I wasn't dumb enough to fall into what these guys were hawking. I was, it was a sort of like a telemarketer that I couldn't hang up on. And mm-hmm. I almost wanted to say, like, hey, man, like, I respect the scam. You're trying to get money however you can. I'm not a retard. And uh, so I just kind of had to sit there and nod. And it was mm-hmm. really some, like, kind of Tony Robbins shit. And those were uncomfortable. Those were very uncomfortable. I didn't like those episodes. How much too much do you feel it is? Yeah, no, I get it. You know, Formula A. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you, know, you can come be part of my 10-step program. And for, you know, one easy payment of $90,000, I'll make you into the next Elon Musk. And it's like, well, how come you're not Elon Musk? If you have these skills, if you've got the secret <laughs> sauce, why are you giving them to me? <laughs> Shouldn't you be giving it to yourself? 
right? If you have the pill that makes you a genius, why am I selling that? Why am I not taking the pill? <laughs> like, right. yeah. So we've kind of completely strayed off into the weeds because I keep interrupting. Oh, um, no, that, that was good. So, but so penthouse, that's kind of like, I mean, you're going in there. That's kind of like going in and taking over uh, Blockbuster after Netflix yeah. is a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it it, it it was it was an uphill climb, like I said. But with you know with uh, licensing and, and digital opportunities, you know it 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 allows it allowed us a different uh, revenue stream, right? Than than one would think. Uh, the the company also had other like solid assets that threw off cash, licensing deals and such, and they did uh, video production for a lot of the other brands. Okay, that were not under the penthouse, let's say moniker. So there was a fair amount of income that came from there. And then broadcast, the broadcast side threw off a ton of cash, you know, and that was expanded. I think we started, there was maybe 93 countries and we went to like 105 countries. So that part expanded. But, you know, that's where I got the idea again that, that was, I started back in the 80s in the beginning of the, uh, right after Al Gore invited, in, in, you know, invented the internet um, in the 80s. Um, <laughs> sorry, Al. Uh, you know, this my, idea of digital... My, sorry, my theory on Al, on Al Gore mm-hmm. is, uh, I mean, it's an, that's, I mean, what are the things that run big tech? The Al Gore, mm-hmm. the Al Gore rhythms. The Al Gore rhythms, right? right? There that's, you go. That's my, well, anybody, that's my anybody anybody can, joke. Anybody that could be Tommy Lee Jones, uh, you know, uh, roommate and live through that, I mean, you know, gotta give him some cred. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. He also said that on... Fuck Al Gore. I bet Al Gore's a cool guy. I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not being a good host, man. Every time I start talking about Penthouse, I just derail it. I'm getting, okay, talk about editing. You're going to have to edit, edit a bunch out. I'm not going to edit shit out. I rescind my offer. It's Just uh, that com- uncomfortable silence where I'm staring at the camera like... No, I think the uncomfortable silence needs to stay. People need to truly... They need to feel it in their yeah. bones. They need to feel... You didn't tell me, tell me to prep for a soliloquy. I could have read, read Shakespeare. Um... So, so yeah, and, uh, th- things in that, in that, you know, I, I learned a lot there. Because, okay, num- number one, that a deal is still a deal, even though you might, the person who's signing the contract might not have any clothes on. Okay, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just a little different, you know. Um, For, so, so you said, because you said, you know, you're like, you know, it drove me crazy, PTSD, you know, it's not, again, you're like, you know, you're this, you're, you have kids that are in Catholic school, you're married, you're a faithful man, and you're working at Penthouse. But then, but you also said, like, early on, you were like, you know, some of the, they have the best character in terms of just, like, respectable people, you know, they, you know, just respectable humans, right? You know, it's... Right, like, Res- respectful humans, you knew exactly what you were dealing with. So, um, so what, wh- so where's the, where's the disconnect or the, or the two-sidedness where you said it was insanity and odd and it drove you crazy, but it's also super respectful. Are these not the same people we're talking about? Am I truly, am I stupid? Not, no, not the, not, not the same people. Okay. So you had this clash, okay, between, the, let's say, the old guard, okay, like the, the woman who brought, who brought me in, right, who really was trying to recreate the glory days of porn in the 90s, okay, okay the early 90s, right? You had, the, again, the Ron Jeremy's, who, you know, character, and lack thereof, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and everybody knew what was going on with that guy forever, and they just put up with it, you know. So that part, that seedy kind of just disgusting underbelly of all of it, 
And then you, you had people that you had people that actually, you know, working moms and working, you know, working, doing either we had all different types of, of models, let's say. Right. So you had models that, you know, did athletic modeling like Maxim and high fashion all the way all the way into, uh, you know, in, in, into the porn realm. But, uh, you know, there, there, there was still, there was still a lot of that underbelly, you know, the drugs and the alcohol and the abuse and, you know, uh, um, you know, sexual abuse, uh, terrible rampant, the, uh, the, the, the corporate culture within the company because of the person that brought me in was terrible. I mean, she was rude and abusive. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to write, we're, we're writing about it, but you know, she, this is the kind of person she is. She was, it was a dog office. Okay. A what? Crazy. A dog office, pet animal office. You can bring your dog in, uh, you know, that kind of thing to work, you know? Okay. So, which I'm not too, t- I love my dogs. I work out of that, you know, because of COVID I work, you know, out of my home office. Uh, but I, I wouldn't want to take them, you know, to a real office because it's not fair to them. But anyway, so uh, she ran a dog rescue, ran an animal rescue, and had four dogs that went in with her every day to work and just sat in her office until her executive assistant went and walked them and brought them back, right? So one day she walks in, and she walks through the front area, and she sees somebody's dog droppings that haven't been picked up. So she grabs a bag, okay, picks it up, walks through the, walks through the hallway, and goes and with that hand, that bag full of excrement, slaps it on the corporate counsel's desk, and then leaves because she thought it was her dog. Oh. I mean, when I, when I'm talking about you know PTSD, yeah, the travel that that's a, that's enough to make you nuts. Okay, I mean we're putting that many miles in the year, but that the culture that was created by that person was insane. Okay, insane. So I thought so, it was more of like a look, toxic person and maybe not as much a reflection of like, if if I can, you know, take the, I obviously never work, I'm 31. Is that, mm-hmm. that sounds like more of one person as opposed to like a reflection of, right, the culture. Like I'm sure there's an asshole. Well, no, that's not the culture. That's what I was referring to, the PTSD uh, part of it for me, because, you know, so. Got it. But, and, and that was, you know, it all trickles from the top down and that's the CEO. I was just the chief operating officer. Sorry, I I keep reaching over here. I have these like overhead lights and Mm -hmm. because they have a terrible design when they're not on the little like, uh, I can't really see it. Can't really. It's like a little switch to turn it on. Mm -hmm. They blink and they glow. And I kind of have a headache, so I didn't want to turn all of them on. But now in my periphery, they're just these blinking, buzzing, just... (laughs) Because this is the most professional and well-produced show, this is these are the problems. <laughs> this is this is a one-man operation. You know what? When I see every other show and they've got nine guys doing the cameras and getting them water, fuck them. This is a solo operation. So I'm locked in here in my Ted Kaczynski cabin in my apartment, and uh, we have these problems. But back to so, you know, you kind of you kind of worded it, and in a funny way, I kind of said this last week. Uh, <clears throat> to someone else, you know, you were saying, how do you, you know, it was odd enough that you ended up at Penthouse. And then it's mm. even stranger that you ended up in kind of like the epicenter of the global pandemic that is COVID as you work with Dr. Stephen Hatfield. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a moment, I had a moment last week or the week before 
where it really kind of felt like I was living in a simulation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the first time that happened is when I interviewed Mike Durant, the Black Hawk Down pilot. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm talking to the guy. The next was Charlie Duke, the 10th man to walk on the moon. It's very surreal. The third was having Dr. Ken Alabeck talking with Dr. Stephen Hatfield. Mm -hmm. And Hatfield's audio is being connected and just on big letters on the screen, it says Donald Slaughter, who worked at Penthouse. And I'm like sitting here and I'm like, I have these two like, legendary physicians <laughs> one of them is and a the, pornographer and a pornographer in the middle of it well i have ken alabek the lar- the biggest ever like intelligence coup defector from the soviet union talking with ken mm-hmm. alabek connected through don slaughter's iphone and i'm sitting here just like is this real is this really happening is this how is this how life is unfolding but it's man i've been terrible about interrupting you but how yeah how does it how does it um how did it pivot from penthouse to to Hatfield? You know, it, uh, it it's inter- it's interesting. It, it all goes through the digital world. Now, I met Hatfield years ago. You know, here in our small little town. You know, and uh, you know, as I mentioned to you before, and uh, we you know we struck up a friendship when he started um, uh, writing Three Seconds Till Midnight, which was prophetic. It was, this was before COVID. He predicted everything that would happen. Uh, and how ill prepared we were to, to, to deal with pandemic. Right? But I, I did the legal. I did some legal and compliance work on it, which was nothing. I did had nothing to do with the content. I was just a friend of his, and he said, "Can you help me out?" I said, "Sure." So we did some contracts. We did, uh, you know, look to make sure that the, the images were all licensed and all that kind of stuff. And then we kind of went our own little ways, in the sense that he went on to you know start to promote the book, and I was just stuck in Ocala, Florida, right. But years before, when I was at Penthouse, looking at these huge satellite bills that we had, you know, for satellite delivery, okay. I thought, well, wait a minute, we've got to, we've really got to look at, at, you know, the OTT space and, you know, cutting, cutting the cord and on the delivery side of this, right? And not taking up all the satellite space. It was millions and millions of dollars a year. So I, I concepted this, 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 uh, this uh, company called Pi TV which was, you know, a, a very agnostic platform, open, open source platform, kind of like um, uh, the, the old New York uh, uh, community access on steroids, right? Where anybody could go in if they wanted to and have access to it, if they paid for it, whatever, you know, and, and, and break the mold of entertainment, right? And when I, I learned a lot at Penthouse, I really did. And this concept, when putting the pieces back together, to create something that was palatable, I had to do it on pillars. And I started concepting out Pi TV. I started thinking about where we were as a society and, and what I'd learned. And I realized that we really lost our way in a lot of ways. And media was right at the center of it, right? Instead of, and now I'm pontificating, but it, it, you know, instead of reporting the news, they want to be in the news. You know, and I don't know, you know, we could talk about this some other time, but it's it's like that whole old French revolutionary estate system, you know, the first estate, second, second through the fourth, yeah. whatever, you know. It's like, you know, the, the media is, you know, it's supposed to be the fourth estate. They Yet, you know, they want to be aristocracy. They want to move themselves up. And now our political leaders want to want to be monarchs, right, and not and not leaders of the people. 
So I started playing with this concept and I, it, it just struck me that we're in a dark age. We are on the precipice of a new renaissance, different than the first one. Okay, right? So I started putting these pillars together and I said, okay, what is it that people really want and need, right? Beyond food and shelter and all that, right? Well, they, they want information, okay? They want to be informed. I mean, north, east, west, south, that's kind of what that means. That's what news is, right? What's really going on? Because information is key, you know? Um, they, they have to have access to education because an educated populace with the right information can make good choices. So that's a building block, another pillar, right? Uh, we all want to get in this, have an escape, right? Get away from our lives for a little bit. That's the entertainment side of it, mm -hmm. right? And and we know how that's all failed because now you can't go and watch, you know, a movie or a television show without having some kind of message that, 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 that that's, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. disingenuous, you know? And if you put those pillars up, right, you can inspire people. And that's kind of the fourth pillar is giving people things that are, you know, inspirational, right? And inspire them to make changes in their lives, right? And I, I've been so blessed most, you know, most all of my life to have great opportunity. I thought, you know, here's an opportunity for me to do something different, right? So so I, I exited from Penthouse and I did a bunch of consulting gigs with some other high-profile um, uh, iconic brands, you know, which are, I'm still all under NDA on that, so can't really talk about that. But... Uh, met some great people, and then reconnected with uh, some of my old my old team, and we played uh, played out a little bit of concepting. And then I met this guy named Dan George up in Canada, who was doing kind of the same thing on a parallel path. Uh, and we kind of started, you know, exchanging information, and uh, we thought, well, we're a lot more aligned than we originally thought, and we started moving, and that's where it all started. And PCN Media started as one channel. Okay, and now we've got 44 channels. We've got pass-through channels, 105 total channels, 106 total channels now. We're about in 100, over 140 plus countries. And at our, you know, our highest, we have about 100 million viewers a month, you know, which, which I'm going a long story around this. But how did I get to Hatfield? Well, 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 now I'm turning into the whore because I'm like, man, have you guys heard of Tommy's podcast? That's a great channel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, have you heard of don't this? Don't think channel? I haven't thought about it. Dude, don't tease me. Don't play with my heart. Don't play with my heart. Oh. I'm, I'm permanently banned from YouTube. I lost about 99% of my viewership. I'm, yeah, well, I'm clawing back up. See, and, and the thing the thing that makes this work, I mean, I can I can talk about return to humanism and all that, right? But we're, we're re really at war, you know, with reason, people that don't want to reason, they don't they they don't want to sit down and talk. They just want their way only, and that's it. Right? It's the, it's the shirking of the responsibility and hard. The shirking of the responsibilities you mentioned earlier, right? right? Yeah. I mean, in the first Renaissance, it was science versus religion. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now it's it's re it's it, it's it's reason. It's the lack of reason. It's stupidity. It's it's it is a culture of stupidity. The cult of the of, of the stupid, right? It, As a lifestyle. We, 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 can no longer, we can no longer practice and fine hone the maturity to agree to disagree. Right. That's right. It's, I think that is all of it. We can't just, right. you know, I have on every week, I have on Roger Williams. He's a sci-fi author. I reached out to him mm -hmm. last year. 
was like, hey, man, I love mm. your book. I read it forever ago. Do you want to come on here? He was like, yeah. Mm. And he's been a returning guest every week for like a year and a half. We've become great friends. He's about twice my age. He's super liberal. I'm on the opposite mm. side. And we always finish the episode with just laughing. We disagree on everything, and sometimes we get into it. But it always ends with us laughing, you know. Roger, you're sick. And, you know, hey, buddy, how you doing, man? You know, you know, or I, you know, I'm having bad anxiety. And he's like, hey, man, what can I do to help? Like, we're on opposite sides. And it's and it's sad that that's such a unique experience. Like, but what's the basis? The basis is respect. Well, exactly. It's... <laughs> And, and the social media and the digital world and all that yeah, has made it so that we don't have to have that respect for one another anymore because there's a, that anonymity or that disconnect, that remove that removal, right? So so we, we, we've lost our humanity, and we, we really have to get it back. I know I sound like a zealot now, but... No, no, man. But look, I, I like it. No, I, don't think we're, I don't think anybody should be on an opposite side of this unless you really are, are just, you know, hell-bent on somebody else's destruction. We're all human beings. We all have basic needs. Okay. I mean, and you know, this being able to be in this project now with the group of people that I have, you know, with us is, is truly unique and special. And, and we all, we are all like-minded in the sense that, you know, we, we want to be, we want to unite under one voice. Okay. To change things, to really change things, you know, and, uh, and, and casting off those chains, those labels that other people place upon us, right? And we let, we, let, we let them. We let people put labels on us. We let people divide us. We let, we let the minority <coughs> dictate to the majority. It's like gas, it's gaslighting, basically, mm-hmm. right? In the, the modern term, right? Where you're, you're convincing somebody else that they're the problem and you're the solution. When you're the, you're the problem, you're the cancer, you cut it out, right? Yeah. So, you know, when... when um, we were on a parallel path when we were building uh, this. We I opened a nonprofit organization with with my partners uh, called NAEA North American Emergency Access Network because the um, uh, the uh, uh, hurricane season 2019 it affected everybody from Greenland all the way down to the Yucatan. So so we started reaching out and saying, look, you know how how can we help? How can we connect people to resources? You know, this is a nonprofit. And when we mean nonprofit, we mean no money, zero. Okay, stays in the company. And we had a hard time getting people just to believe that we were doing what we said we were going to do. And this was a few months before, before you know, the first cases were reported coming out of uh, Wuhan. Okay. So Hatfield gets locked down in the, now, you know, Hatfield and I are friends. He, he takes off right before Christmas. He gets locked down in the White House, you know, 13 months later, you know, whenever he gets released. During that period of time, uh, our sister, one of our sister companies in Canada, just happens to have all these contracts with like 3M and MacRite and for all this PPE so we could bring it in, you know, where other people can't. So we started working on providing PPE to first responders and the states directly because CDC didn't care. FEMA didn't care, you know, at, you know, all the governmental agencies at the federal level were so disheveled, they didn't care, you know, they didn't care. They, no, 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 we don't need it. It's not, we don't need it, you know, and until they did need it. Yeah. So, so we're working on that. Hatfield's working on what he did in the White House with Navarro. And uh, I would talk to, I would talk to Doc maybe, maybe once a month. 
you know, he'd, he'd hit me up like all hours, you know, weird wee hours of the morning, you know, and, and we'd chat and just kind of catch up on what was going on. And uh, so I moved along that parallel path. Everybody locked down. And then I get sick, really sick in uh, November of 2020. I almost died. So, I mean, I, I crawled out in my office, home office, put out my will, called my attorney. I was done. My SpO2 levels were below or dropping below 80. Was it COVID? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was diagnosed as upper respiratory infection and it was COVID. Right? And if it wasn't for uh, HCQ and if it wasn't for Doc Hatfield, I wouldn't be here. Shout so out, shout out Dr. Hatfield. Yeah, no. And that, and that's the God's honest truth. And I can, oh, yeah. I can tell you, and, 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 you know, here's his bedside man, you know, Doc, I love, I love him. You know, his family. Okay. Don, we've never treated anybody this late. Good luck. <laughs> Hey man, meaning you got, everybody else has died. You got, you gotta, you gotta appreciate the no bullshit. Just sh- to be fair, okay, I treated myself, but I took I took instruction, okay, right. So there's no medical licensing issues and all this stuff. Right? Yeah. So, well, so um, well, if to interrupt for the 19 trillionth time because I'm an asshole and a terrible host, is that. That's why I keep interviewing all these guys, Dr. Hatfield, Dr. Fareed, Dr. Saeed, Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Alexander, Dr. Nass, Dr. Hodkinson. That's why I keep having all of them on because it, it's one thing it's one thing to push a vaccine with a high uh, VAERS reporting system, I guess, variable, whatever the fuck you – a lot of people died of that more than, more than normal – that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. Sure, rushed vaccines, a pandemic, we're all nervous. And ultimately, it's people's freedom if they want to take the vaccine. If they want to shoot heroin, knock your socks off. I don't care. Right. What I'm getting at is when there is a coordinated effort to suppress any talking about ivermectin, HCQ, azithromycin, aspirin, zinc, turmeric, quercetin, vitamin D. And then not only that, but providers telling pharmacists not to fill it. And... It's a generic drug, costs pennies to make, and it's, these things have been studied for 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, it's it's one thing. When I'm having on these doctors who are talking about just universally treating these people, I mean, Dr. Fareed, I've said it so many times, I get it, I get them, I get this, I get this statistic kind of, it kind of fogs up. I don't even know if I've mentioned it yet, this podcast, because I talk about it so much. Dr. Fareed's treated over 9,000 patients in the Imperial Valley of California mm-hmm. with COVID, with HCQs uh, and uh, ivermectin of all age groups, of all comorbidities, not even like healthy young people, like old people mm-hmm. with you know, asthma or diabetes or whatever, heart disease, with a 99.99% survival rate. And mm-hmm. the only problem he's having is, one, he... Well, he's, he's banned from YouTube for talking about this, despite having 51 years of medical practice under his belt. And now he's also having a hard time getting access to these drugs because pharmacists won't fill it. Or their, you know, their providers are say, hey, you know, comes from up top on corporate. We can't fill this. Mm-hmm. There are people like you with kids. You know, you're someone's friend. You're someone's husband. You're someone's parent. These are the people that are literally fucking dying Mm -hmm. because they can't get access to generic medications. Mm -hmm. I've said it before. It's not going to happen today and it's not going to happen tomorrow. In our lifetimes, this will be the biggest story. 
It, it, it's going to blow everything away. Because Dr. McCullough says he believes 85% of the deaths in the United States could have been avoided. Dr. Fareed says 99.99% could be avoided. It's one thing if it's in hindsight and we go, hey, we didn't know that stuff worked, but now we do. That's one thing, okay? That's It's a tragedy. It's a blunder. You know, it's public health is uh, again treated like a political football. I mean, now, that's now it's a weapon. It's a weapon yeah. that's killing hundreds of thousands of people. So I, I had to go on that little side rant, but that's why I got banned from YouTube. It's because I'm not going to stop fucking talking about this stuff because I have parents in, in their 60s. I have aunts and uncles in their 60s and 70s. I have guests mm-hmm. on here in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. <laughs> mm-hmm. These are people that are fucking dying because they can't get it. This isn't me saying no one should take the vaccine. I'm not trying to infringe on anyone's ability to do anything. All I'm saying is, is this stuff works. And there are other people saying, don't you dare talk about that. And it's resulting in mm-hmm. actual human death. Mm-hmm. Man, if there's not a, if you, if there's ever been a reason to get banned from YouTube, if there's ever been a hill to die on, that was one mm-hmm. blinking with a neon light that said, die here. And I was like, fuck it. Well, We'll go on that one. We'll go, you know, do that fateful bayonet charge. Because I was like, it's a no-brainer. And I and I know that I did the right thing. And, I, and I'm and i pissed off that I got banned because I've built this thing from the ground up. But at the same time, like, I, I couldn't live with myself if in 30 years I was like, I had, who else has a camera and a microphone, the time to do a podcast, and has built up a network of connections with these physicians? If I didn't right. do something, I am directly guilty of a sin of omission by not right. doing something. So right. it's right. It's all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. I don't think I'm necessarily a good man, but I would have been doing nothing. I'll get off my soapbox, but yeah, you got super sick. No, Sorry. no, I, I, no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And when you, when you, when you examine it, devoid of the political pressure, devoid of that, just take that out for it. If it wasn't a political year. I mean, it was a conf- It was a confluence of, of really unfortunate circumstances. Okay, yeah, it was a perfect storm. It was pushing pushing China economically into a corner. Okay, right, which it had to happen. It should have happened years ago, and 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 you know was and it did right. Uh, it made it very difficult for us to get raw materials right <laughs> during that period of time to make PPE to make things. We we were vulnerable, but people like Hatfield called this out, and nobody listened. Because they think, again, it's like earthquake preparedness in California. I live there. When you have an earthquake, oh, my God, I'm going to go out and make sure I've got stuff for the next time. Well, three months, six months, a year goes by, you don't have an earthquake. Your earthquake kit's gone. You don't have it anymore. You don't carry it until the next one comes. Here in Florida, we are forced to have hurricane preparedness because it happens every year, every single year. It's not like an earthquake, right? So it, I, I, I kind of liken it to that, right? That we, we were not prepared whatsoever. And, and if, if, if I can lay the blame of that on anyone, right, that is something that the federal government should help us with. Give us guidance on how to do that, right? But in the national pandemic plan, it was about community outreach, community triage centers, hospitals wouldn't have been overrun, and early treatment, early treatment, early treatment, right? And... But, you know, when, when, you, when you look at it, you've got the, science, the, the, the abomination of abandonment of science and you've got the perversion of greed and they mixed. OK, and that's what that's what happened. It continues to go. You don't need the Freedom of Information Act. Just go on and look at the declared 
conflicts of interest with the COVID-19 panel. It's yeah. staggering. Yeah. I mean, you know, in my, in my, in my little office, you know, in Ocala, and I'm not an investigative journalist, when we started to research the first papers that we published, you know, for Dr. Hatfield in April, you know, we went through fact-checking like you have never seen, right? Um, we found, we found connections that are still haven't come out of mainstream, right? And they won't listen to it. The New York Times, you know, has the story. The, the Washington Post has a story, and I've got to give them a shout out. And Dan Diamond there, who's doing who's doing a, a reasonable job following all this, right? Considering how biased the Washington Post has been in the past, right? But this is out in the mainstream media. They're not touching it until maybe they think they need ratings, you know, and then it will touch. But it's, you know, this is this is this is robbed. I mean, in our in our in my personal family, it's robbed me. Of, of my family's well-being. It's, it's robbed my daughters, you know, of their education, you know, and they've got to reset because of this. And, you know, it never had that, it never, never should, never should have happened, you know? So, so how, the, so you, you take all, so in my particular situation, you take my, my, you know, already, you know, uh, let's say formulated ideas about where we are as a society. And now you take this just grave injustice thrown on top of it. And I've got a way to do something about it. So we did. We started, we started with Dr. Hatfield. We started publishing his articles with all the negative that came from it. And it got traction. And now he's peer-reviewed and going forward and, you know, really, get, really gaining an audience that, that it's not just about one drug. It's about the philosophy behind early treatment and not letting these big, these, these big groups bully you. Now, when, when we have the opportunity and, and things are presented, you know, very rarely are, 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 are you given the opportunity to really step up and do something great for, for humanity, right? And four days before, five days before the um, uh, COVID summit in Rome, okay, I've been communicating back and forth with the organizers. And I said, hey, use our platform. So we put together in four days what would have taken 60 or 90 days to, to, techno, to do from a technolog technological standpoint. We met nothing but, nothing but resistance. We had the big, let's say, the big search engine tech company delist our mobile app, right, a half an hour before, before air. We had the Italian Sonato tell us we weren't going to get the signal because we're right wing when we're, we're agnostic. Hell, we have Al Jazeera. We have we have Al Jazeera on our network. BBC's coming online. We have OAN. You know, CNN. Those guys. I mean, we we stay away from CNN and Fox because those are everywhere anyway, right? But it's an open platform. As long as you're not you're, you're following our community standards and not preaching hate, okay, you can you can be on the platform. So they, they tried to shut us down, and we live streamed it. I mean, we put it together with, that'll be a story for another time, spit and glue and Zoom feeds and cell phones the first day and going through 25,000 lines of code to find the, to find the feed addresses, okay, to make the first, the first day happen. And then the second day was a professionally shot, shot day, so we had, a, we had direct RTMP feeds. So not to be boring, but the first day we had 45,000 a minute. That's 7.2 a minute. 7.2 million people watched it in six hours. 
7.2 with no advertising. Now, in the world's population, 7.2 million is not a lot, right? Second day, 4.1 million, no advertising. I mean, you can, they, de- they, they took the indexing off of all of our sites. You can't, you can't search engine, you couldn't find them. I mean, it's crazy what we had to go through, but it's still growing. Subscription join pages are growing now, even afterwards. And now we're doing the next one in January. But it's not, you know, right now it's COVID. It's going to be something else. Well, I've said that from the beginning is right now we can't talk about COVID. People will ask, you know, it's like you, you know, you didn't set out for this. You know, you're working at Penthouse. Like I, I want to do a podcast and like laugh with my friends. I never set out to be on some pandemic vendetta. Like I don't, I don't right. have a stake in any of these companies. I'm not making money off ivermectin. I haven't lost right. anyone in I, I, I know one person I think that died from COVID. Like this isn't some. What it is to me is I am if I, I have I am somewhat well read, and you don't even need to be well read to just see the signs on the wall. And it's it starts with COVID. It will start mm-hmm. with an excuse to censor to delist. They're right. the unvaccinated. They're ruining the economy. They're not. They're harming the rest of us. I mean, it's a tired. It's a tired analogy. But man, in 1933, there was a there was one guy with a toothbrush toothbrush mustache blaming everyone's woes on one group of people. Right? Mm-hmm. And they had to mm-hmm. have valuable papers. You had to have a reason to go everywhere. And it starts mm-hmm. with something, and it'll be COVID, right? And it always starts this way. Well, that's a good reason. Well, these people aren't stupid. They know what they're doing. You use a good reason. How do you pass a Patriot Act? You do it when the when the rubble is still on fire and ground zero, right? It's the only right, way right. you can pass this stuff. How do you how do you rip America out of isolationism in the in the nineteen teens, right? Well, you have the Lusitania mm-hmm. sick, right? Or you have the Zimmerman telegram. How do you get America to finally stop with the lend lease bullshit and go balls deep in Europe? Well, you have Pearl Harbor. And I'm not saying those aren't mm-hmm. legitimate things, but there's a reason why these things happen right after. Because yeah, no one's going to argue in the in a pandemic. Well, yeah, we probably got to stop misinformation. But what happens is, is these powers are never relinquished, and it starts with COVID, and then it will move to the next thing. And a lot of people won't realize what's going on until someone they don't like is in office. Let's say Trump gets back in office, but now we've set a precedent for misinformation, censorship, and deplatforming. What happens when Ooh. Trump comes back in office and now stories of unarmed black men uh, being shot are deemed as, uh, as harmful because they result in riots? Perhaps those riots mm-hmm. are, you know, I don't condone violence, but it, I mean, I get it, right? You watch all these black guys get shot. Yeah, maybe the only thing to get people to listen is to go out and throw a burning tire through a target. I don't agree with BLM and Antifa riots, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. you've set the precedent for it's for the greater good. You can't tell me that a, a Trump 2.0 can't come in and go, uh, we're removing all video copies of uh, George Floyd having his neck caved in by Chauvin or whatever the fuck happened. I mean, imagine if that happened, right? We'll move it all from YouTube. Tommy, you posted it. You've been banned for uh, promoting misinformation. Well, why? Well, because these videos result in riots. You've now set up the precedent for that's allowed to happen, right? This has been marked as misinformation. This has been partially, this has been fact-checked as partially false, you know? What about all the immigrants right now at the southern border? Well, who who ultimately holds the press 
responsible and, and, and for, for this. Well, that's it's the, supposed to be the public. Well, that's the thing is, well, now when all the power is consolidated in five big tech corporations and no one can talk out because you literally can't be part of the digital town square as we are doing this podcast on Rumble and BitChute and Odyssey and Spotify, but not on YouTube because we can't be Ooh. there. You're setting up this precedent. And so the next it will be, let's imagine Trump's in power in, in three years. Hey, all the immigrants at the southern border, you know, people are showing videos of, uh, you know, it's brutality. Well, that's hate speech. That's hate speech. Well, no, because we started it. We all agreed that with COVID, it was okay to, to stop this, right? We all agreed that we can ban talking about election fraud. Well, you have now set the precedent. So no more, uh, no more body cam footage of black guys being shot. You've now set that precedent. Actually, now that we're at it, no more, uh, no more covering stories about drone strikes that accidentally hit a wedding instead of a, instead of a, you know, an ISIS convoy. Well, because that looks yes. bad. That looks bad on the government. Well, we've set this precedent. We've set this precedent, right? That it's for right. the greater good. What about these defense contractors double dipping? What about you know Dick Cheney, for, uh, while you know vice president, but you know was just the CEO of Halliburton, which won forty billion dollars in war construction contracts in the Iraq War. Well, we can't we can't cover that. It's for the greater right. good. So when you establish this precedent, I mean, and I could very well be pearl clutching. Maybe none of this comes to pass, but I'd rather be hysterical and hyperbolic and be wrong than Ooh. go, eh, it probably won't happen again. And then in 50 years going, I can't believe I could have done something about that because we've seen Ooh. how this happens, right? Hey, you just, you just got to wear a gold star. We just want to know who you are. We, you just got to all live in this one ghetto, but nothing bad's going to happen. You just got to get right, on right. the train because you're working for the war effort. Hey, we right. got a delousia. Get in the showers. Six million gone. How did that happen? Right. This is how it fucking happens. And again, right. maybe none of this happens. I would rather, I would rather be the boy who cried wolf and have nothing happen. And everyone goes, Tommy, you were such a, you know, you know, you were so sensationalist. And I'll go, yeah, you know, I was thinking that this was the next rise of the Nazis, and I was wrong. Oh, that's on my that's why we have to reject. We have to reject that 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 narrative, right? That we don't that we're powerless and we don't have a voice. Yeah. See, we were able to do this before social media. But we've convinced ourselves we can't do it now without it. There's a great meme that I saw, and it goes, turn on the TV, and you're living in a pandemic and a race riot. Turn off the TV. Just birds chirping. Yeah, right. <laughs> Neighbors are walking the baby in a stroller. And you're like, where? Right? It's that Bill Hicks bit. Bill Hicks, who died in 93, but he saw it. Yeah. Turn on the news. You know, war, famine, rape, uh, genocide, Depression, recession, war, famine, rape, and then you turn it off, and you just hear like the cicadas, and you're like, oh. and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I said this when it started, you know, the, the establishment of the 24-hour news cycle and, and Ted Turner being the most dangerous man in the world at one point, it created a vacuum where we feel we need to fill it up with a bunch of shit. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and it is just shit. Yeah, I mean. There's nothing you could watch. You watch 20, 20 minutes. You're already repeating five times. I mean, it's it's just all commentary. See, editorial. Okay, go back to the old newspapers, right? Editorial was in the back. Why? The news was in the front. What was actually what was happening? And then you had people's opinion. So it was like a 90-10 or 95-95-5, you know, a, a split between what's really happening and what people's opinion are about what's happening. Now it's the other way. Yeah. 
You know, and I, that's why I still, I, and how do we get information out before we had human contact with each other? We talked about it, right? We wrote letters. How do they do it? How do they do it before the first Renaissance? Oh yeah, they wrote journals, the scientists back and forth with each other. They were, they were published. They were actually written to be destroyed after you read them. Little vinegar, boom, it's gone. Or water, boom, it's gone, right? I mean, we're back to we're back to that again. But you see, we think that we don't have a voice because we're being censored on these big social media platforms. You still have a voice. You got neighbors out there. You can get out, like you said, turn off the TV, go talk to people. It needs to be a grassroots movement, go worldwide, not just here in this country. It's everywhere. When was the last time you saw Canadians Canadians demonstrate the yeah. Vietnam War? Yeah. Okay. They're demonstrating in, in Toronto. I mean, it's, and you don't see it on the news here. Yeah. Italy, Italy, Paris, okay, Berlin. It's happening, I mean, but it's not being spread. I mean, look at Australia. Oh, gosh. I mean, that 1984 shithole, if there is ever, you know, their sacrifice is appreciated in that for the rest of my life, any Second Amendment argument can just be. You, can, you don't have to say a word. You just can show a clip of Australia right now. Don't wear a right. mask and get tackled by a SWAT team. Um, right. But, you know, it's it's a quote that I always parrot because I love it, but it's um, their propaganda would not be necessary if the situation was hopeless. <laughs> they wouldn't need to do it, right? When they've, right? when they've locked you in Auschwitz and the gates are closed behind you and it's, you know, it's two layers of electrified barbed wire... They don't need to use propaganda. It's just raw power. Mm -hmm. They say whatever the fuck you mm -hmm. want. Go to get up, work, or you're going to be shot, right? Mm -hmm. You use propaganda to amplify your power. Why do you need to amplify your power? Because you don't have enough. Right. So you have to hold up a facade right. of power. The fact that censorship is so rampant right now, you only do that when when you're you know when you're running out of options. You only start playing mm -hmm. whack a mole, right? When you really right. start. You know, Hitler started firing all the generals when they were t when it, at the end, when they were like, hey, pff, the Soviets are bulldozing through. Get them out of here. Get them out of here. Remove this. Remove that. They're they're lashing out because mm -hmm. they're losing power. And people are realizing that, that we have more power than we think. And it's very easy for them to make you think that you don't have power, right? Because... You know, if you are protesting, sure, you're out there with other people and you see them and you're inspired by that and you draw from that energy. But when it's just, you know, you and I talking about this and it's just your face and my face on a screen and I'm in my Ted Kaczynski chamber and we're in here talking, right? But we don't see anyone around us. We don't see people. You know, some people do text me and they're like, fuck, yeah, I love that episode, man. And you feel that and you go, oh, I'm not alone. But you don't see it when you just put it out there and it's just you alone. You don't know how many people are agreeing with you. And even if a lot of people are watching the video, I mean, YouTube can, you know, I've, I've had episodes that I would up before I got banned where they'd go up to like 200 views in like the first five minutes. I was like, fuck yeah. And then they'd fall down to 50. I'm like, how is that possible? And then they would just stay there. They don't want you to know. They don't want anyone to know how many of you there are. It's right. it's right. It's 
and, it, and I always I use this example. It goes like, back to the information, the information, you know, the yeah. pillars that I was yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You have sorry. the right information, and you have the education. You can make good choices. They don't want you to make good choices. Yeah, they want you to just make their choice. Yeah, right. A well-informed citizenry, right? It's right it's, and educated, right? And, and but the only thing to do is to keep pushing, and we're seeing. I th- maybe I'm being optimistic, but I feel like we're kind of seeing little cracks in the facade. Right, with Joe Rogan talking about ivermectin, with mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj, you know, becoming a, a warrior for free speech. It's yes. you know, it's we have those those NBA players. I don't know if you saw like a couple of days ago coming out and they're like, they're like, I you know, I just don't think I need the vaccine. They're like, I'm young, I'm healthy, I already had COVID, and they're like, everyone in this room, you're vaccinated, right? They're like, yeah. He's like, you can all still get it and pass it. He was this one guy goes, he goes, you know. Uh, Loving thy neighbor does not mean love those who agree with you or look like you or act like you. It means loving those who don't, and that includes people that don't want the vaccine. You're not infected and you're not dirty if you don't have the vaccine. Again, you know who was always called dirty? The Jews. Otto Ambrose, head chemist of the Third Reich. He always talked about Mm -hmm. hygiene. He would say how in a big Mm -hmm. vat of rubber, if there was one speck of dust, one pebble, what that could result in is a deformed tire which blows out on the autobahn and fucks up a whole convoy and then the convoy can't deliver the war materiel on time and you can affect the war so you have to have right. purity you have to have purity he was also talking about you have to have a pure society no right. you can't have any rats you can't have any you can't have any jews man we have to stomp this shit out now you have to mm-hmm. you know if you just got back from fighting a forest fire you see someone flick a cigarette into the woods and they're gonna and then you run out there and throw a bucket of water on it they're gonna be like dude relax and you're like fuck off i just saw what this can do right we're seeing people right now being like they're unclean they're dirty they're unvaccinated hey man i've seen this movie it was in black and white but i don't want to watch it again all right i'm not trying to watch the devil's arithmetic or fucking schindler's list this is how it starts right they're ruining the economy the unvaxxed are ruining hey man Replace, as Dr. Malone said on this podcast, episode 495, replace unvaccinated with Uden. And it, and it, the, 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 the newspapers today read just like 1930s Germany. No, a- absolutely. It's, absolutely. It's, but back to what you're saying is don't, don't cave and don't believe them when they, you know, why are you fighting? Just stop talking, just censor yourself. No, no, we do have power. It's granted, it's a little one-sided, but it's not hopeless. No part of it is yeah, hopeless. It, it's not, but there's there's so much mistrust <clears throat> again, you know, with, between friends, neighbors, family. I have a very good friend of mine who I've known for most of my life, right? Who, you know, and I I'm very respectful on social media. Always have been. I don't I don't use it the way other people do. I if I've got an issue, I work it out myself. <laughs> if I've got an issue with a family member, I don't go on Facebook and talk about. It. I call them, right? But I felt compelled when the uh, EUA uh, was, uh, you know, was extended for the vaccines to go back and read it, right? And then read the, the, the provisional license, the license that was issued on the same day, by the way, on the very same day. Why would you, why would you extend the emergency use authorization and issue a license for the identical vaccine on the same day? Well, it's a liability, pass-through liability issue. I understand. So now the company that produced it has little or no liability, product liability. Okay, that's number one. Plus, they can change it without having to go through a lot of FDA difficulty. 
because and they rebranded it under a different name. But I'm reading this and I'm saying, okay, I posted it on Facebook. Nothing. Like nothing. No takedown notices. Absolutely nothing. So, and I said, here it is. Educate yourself. Read it. You know, I had that friend of mine who's been, again, most of my life, tell me that I'm posting, I'm posting misinformation. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's the FDA letter. Oh, it's... And uh, they still don't believe it. Uh, Facebook now fact-checks CDC links. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But I, I, t- I took the letter, I pulled it down, okay, the image, posted it there, and I still had people not believe that it was real. Yeah. Then I gave them the link to it, okay, and they could go right there and they could see it was real. They still didn't believe it. I mean, they're just, they're, there's such a great divide here. You know that 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 needs to be brought, uh, and the chasm needs to be uh, to to be narrowed. And uh, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I know talking to one another, having rational discourse, respecting each other, and like you said earlier, you know, agreeing to disagree. You know, because that's something that without without that, you know, you take you take that proverbial piece of coal and you stick it on the ground, and it rain gets rained on, it becomes nothing, right? Now you bury that in the ground and you put heat pressure and time. And you've got a diamond. I really believe that rational discourse, okay, is how we come to consensus and we are stronger, you know, both, you know, not only as Americans, but as, as humans. So we're, we're actually weakening ourselves mm-hmm. by, by this type of ideologi- ideological isolation. Very, very similar, again, to what we're trying to do, you know, to, to combat, uh, you know, a virus. It's very similar. So we're doing, we're, we're, we're hastening our own, demise okay by stopping and just interrupting a very important interaction in in humanity and that's for us to interact with each other you know both ideologically and physically so look the moore's principle it's real simple you know Uh, it's failing us technology is failing us as the new god it's over we can't why why are our cell phones getting bigger if our technology is getting better Right. Well, yeah, it does more now, whatever. But we can't we can't the compression theory of physics. Right. You can't push things beyond its intrinsic value. It's mass. It's going to still be there. Right. You can't make it so it's so small. You can't use it. Right. So uh, technology and, you know, uh, Ray Bradbury, who I had the pleasure of knowing, you know, later in his life. We we have an opportunity here to use technology the right way but not to elevate it as, as some kind of false idol, some new God that's going to make everything just perfect just because we have it. And we see it with, we see it with, uh, you know, with, uh, uh, with social media, you know, we're convinced that the compact disc that gives you great sound, but you know, as well as I do that a good vinyl record on a good, on a good turntable, you get better depth. Yeah. You know, so, you know, everything that's old was, is new again. To a certain extent, but we have an we have an opportunity, and that's that's just reject the narrative. Start talking to people. Get out of your offices. You know, get turn the television off, and like you said, go talk to your neighbors. You know, interact. That's the way we start. You know, I, in my in my opinion, but no, we did get off the, we did get off the rails a bit, but anyway, we, we did. We've been. It's about to say. Um, <clears throat> let's let's wrap this one up because we've almost been going for two hours. Um, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. I got to go pee again, but one second, I'm going to stop recording, but I, I want to talk to you for a second afterwards. Thanks. So, um,
for everyone listening, this will be the end of your podcast. Mr. Don Slaughter, he'll be on here for a part two, and maybe Thanks we'll stay on the rails. Um, but I'll stop. <laughs> I'll stop.